Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And this week we're talking about Godzilla vs. Kong, featuring interviews with the cast and director, as well as all the latest movie and trailer news. A very exciting episode to get into. Can't wait. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And this week, we are discussing Godzilla vs. Kong, which sees two iconic titans of the MonsterVerse finally face off in an epic showdown that will bring their ancient rivalry to the ultimate end with the fate of humanity caught in the middle. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's a bit like that, isn't it? The movie is directed by Adam Wingard with a screenplay by Eric Pearson and Max Borenstein. The film stars Rebecca Hall, Alexander Skarsgård, Demian Bashir, Millie Bobby Brown and newcomer Kaylee Hottle. Okay, Tim, where do we start with Godzilla vs. Kong, this <laughs> epic showdown, as you said in the intro? Well, I guess we kind of start with uh, what it's all about. This is the the fourth film in the MonsterVerse, mm. as we mentioned in the opening. It's a direct sequel to Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is that yes. correct? Yes, and the two films prior to that was Kong Skull Island, which introduced us to this version of King Kong. Mm-hmm. And then the first film in this MonsterVerse was Godzilla back in 2014. So it's been a, a couple of years that gets us mm. to this uh, big showdown uh, in 2021. Now, the story follows, obviously, Godzilla and Kong (laughs) meeting each other in the proverbial ring a number of times. It's not just one battle, is it? There's quite a few battles. Yeah, we are treated to a lot of action in this, and I think that's, I guess, the lure 
for audiences mm. is to actually see this massive showdown. And I think you can agree it's incredibly satisfying uh, to watch them battle it out. Uh, the special effects are unreal. And this is one of those films that you can't apply too much logic to it, can oh, you? Oh, but my God. There's been some criticism of the story. Yes. Oh, a bit of it's going to come from me. I'm sure we'll be on the same page. <laughs> okay, so the story begins that we see Kong in his um, habitat on, I think it's Skull Island. That was never really clear to me. Was it clear to you? Uh, no. He's in, he's on, they're on Skull Island. But in a facility because the island has been ruined by climate change? Is yeah. that another underlying thread that they were trying to weave in there? Well, the fact that we're asking each other that question, <laughs> having both seen the film and we're kind of like, oh, can you tell me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't tell myself. I guess, yeah, that is an underlying issue with this film that – there's just leaps and bounds in the story that you just need to like accept mm. that are happening for whatever reason. They're never really kind of explained. There's not a lot of character development, that's for sure, in the story. Yeah. But, I mean, that's expected in these films. The humans are almost secondary characters to these monsters. And let's be honest, fans just want to see them fight, yeah, don't they? absolutely. I mean, the human characters are just there to gasp and scream and run away and say something mildly intelligent in the sci-fi mm. realm and then kind of st- step back and let the the big boys play. Let's talk about the special effects though. Mm. They're huge, impressive. You have to see it on the big screen if you can. Yeah, epic is the word that just keeps coming to mind. These battle scenes, it's like watching a – I wrote down like an MMA match just <laughs> constantly going at it, you know. Yeah, uh, the special effects were a triumph. So mm. I, I definitely agree and I think they're, they're to be commended. The complex fight scenes, although at times I don't know if you felt them to be a bit disorientating just because mm. there was so much going on and things were flying everywhere. Literally they were throwing each other into buildings and, and whatnot. <laughs> like it was quite extraordinary. But you know what always makes me laugh in these films? Sorry mm. to interrupt. That's fine. But the human head count is always huge in this, but it's never acknowledged. It's just like, oh, threw King Kong into a building. All those people are dead. Literally. <laughs> absolute catastrophe there would have been a lot of gravestones off the back of this film but yeah Yeah. they never really acknowledge the impact Uh, and and they always end up like oh don't worry i'm evacuating the city it's like they're already fucking there you're a little bit late you've known that they're kind of heading towards tokyo here to have this big battle Mm. and you're like we just started the evacuation and like millions of people are already dead. <laughs> I just think that's ridiculous. And I mean, on the one hand, this film seems to be set in a time period where humans are really used to these titans. Like mm. they live in some sort of harmony, I guess, yeah. with them until Godzilla suddenly turns from protector to attacker. Yeah, because he feels threatened by something and it takes a while for us to identify what that threat is. Mm. But yeah, his behaviour is very strange because I think it's been – from the story five years between Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and then this one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there is that harmony. There's that living arrangement that everyone's Mm -hmm. in this agreement with. Yeah. And all of a sudden it changes and no one knows why. But then that's also funny because at the same time it's like, weren't you prepared for this? (laughs) (laughs) Weren't you prepared for a monster stomping through your city? (laughs) I think we can identify that these films exist because – Humans are never prepared for oh, these things. No. Just look at the recent pandemic. <laughs> oh, gosh, absolutely. Um, just on the special effects in wrapping up my point, I guess um, I am always taken aback and impressed by the incredible like planning and direction that it would take to get that mm. right, right? I guess I just wish they spent time on the story, dialogue and the characters as much as they did 
the special effects. Well, Popcorn Podcast sat down with the director, Adam Wingard, to find out how much planning went into bringing these battle scenes to the big screen. And he also talks about his choice to bring more emotion to Kong's performance, which we Mm. haven't really touched on yet. It's more than we've seen before in any of these kind of films. So let's take a quick listen. It's Godzilla. What is it about these monsters that fascinates audiences after so many years? Well, they're, they're just so intertwined with film history itself. I mean, like I think Godzilla and Kong respectively on either ends of the world kind of represents the history of the blockbuster cinema or of, of, of you know, special effects cinema mm. in general. So, and both of them mean very different things from, you know, their origins. And, but uh, yeah, there's just something about the fact that like, you know, this is kind of where, where everything started, you know, you wouldn't have Star Wars and all those kind of things without, you know, the the beginning of special effects with these type of movies. And, you know, and, and just in general too, I think there's, there's an appeal to it, not just to adults as well, but like to kids. I mean, you know, there's just an immediacy to, you know, big lizard type monster and big monkey type monster. I, I, you know, <laughs> fans will not like me to call them that, but you know, at the end of the day, that's like sort of the archetype that they represent. And there's just something fun mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and engaging about that, you know, uh, from a kid's perspective. And the battle scenes in this movie are going to blow audiences' minds. How did the choreography and planning for that evolve? Did you always have a clear vision of how you wanted them to play out? Yeah, well, you know, it evolved really organically. I mean, there were certain things that I knew from the get-go that I wanted to see. Like one of the first images I knew that I wanted was I wanted Godzilla to uh, chase Kong around a neon-soaked, futuristic-looking city with his atomic breath, you know? Like, Mm. I, I knew that there were certain things like that that I was just like, oh, I have to see what that would look like. But what I like is that the script really offered us so many really inspiring environments to put the monsters in because it's kind of what makes the um the the battle so interesting in this movie is for instance like the ocean battle our first major fight between the characters mm-hmm. it's in an environment that you've never seen them in before you know kong's on the ocean jumping from battleship to battleship and mm. you know and it's kind of like playing off of the disadvantage that he has um you know against godzilla which he kind of has anyways but even more so on the ocean and so I always like seeing heroes who are kind of like pushed against the wall, like, you know, Die Hard's one of my favorite films, you know, like that's a movie that, you know, we obviously kind of, you know, subtly reference in some of the imagery in the movie. And it's, it's, it's not just one guy against a bunch of terrorists in that movie. It's one guy against a bunch of terrorists and he doesn't have any shoes and he's just ran over a bunch of broken <laughs> glass. You know, it's like, it's so much more interesting when you like lay extra stakes on top of stakes against your, mm. your heroes. And, um, you know, and, and that's what we tried to do with all of our action scenes. And we tried to make them all memorable from that perspective. We see more emotion from Kong here than we ever have before in the other movies. Would you really say he's a monster? You know, only from the perspective that he's like 300 foot plus tall, you know, I mean, like, I think that, <laughs> 
you know, definitely makes him a monster. But, uh, you know, I guess it depends what your definition of monster is, because I, I love him. I love him like a friend, you know, at this point, I feel like I've, mm. you know, gone through, uh, you know, a whole life experience with him as though he was real. So, you know, for me, he was always the heart of the movie. And that's what I wanted. You know, that's one of the things that really excited me the most is being able to, to bring that kind of vibe, you know, uh, to him, because that's how I always saw him as a kid. You know, I mean, he's, mm. you know, the 76 Kong was always one of my favorite movies uh, growing up. And, you know, even though Kong's a bit lecherous in that movie, <laughs> um, you know, like you don't <laughs> really feel for him. You know, there's like kind of yeah. an innocence to him. And, and and I wanted to take that innocence and kind of amplify it in the in the way that I kind of perceive the character myself. He's he's kind of a sad, lonely character. He's very intelligent, but yeah. the last of his kind. And you know, and I and that's what the movie's really about. It's leaning into that. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it, Tim, how they've humanized Kong's performance. And I think you kind of have to do that to be able to connect with him as a hero or as more than a monster. Yeah, I think um, Kong is a known character to have more of emotional depth to him. I think Peter Jackson back in 2005 with his King Kong and that beautiful relationship he had with Naomi Watts' character. Mm. And I think you are right. This film goes more into that territory. He's he's more human. He shows more emotion than I guess we saw in Mm. Kong Skull Island a couple of years ago. So Mm. that that was a really interesting element of this film. He was animated so beautifully, you know, his facial expressions and and that emotion Mm. that you felt. Uh, was uh, real. It was great. We touched on the human characters mm. before. There was a, a few useless central characters, wasn't there? I mean, oh. but Aza Gonzalez and um, Kyle Chandler, for example, as Millie Bobby Brown's yep. her character's father, a lot of them just felt thrown in for the sake of what nods to the previous film or a bit more of a connection for Walter Simmons which is Damien Bashir's character. Yeah, they were thrown in. As you said, they were kind of, they were definitely sub-characters. The, the yeah. big characters were Godzilla and Kong. Yeah. But I think I agree. They're just throwing them in as nods to past films and they were just there to somewhat project the narrative and to mm. kind of keep you somewhat informed about what was going on. Mm. One character that I could not stand was um, the podcast guy. I mean, the, the, don't the, you hate those podcasters? Oh, I can't stand them. <laughs> yeah, he he had a conspiracy podcast, and he was so mm. painful to listen to. Just how his character was written, and I mm. ultimately the performance that he brought was just insufferable. And also, what the fuck was that all about? Okay, he was blatantly saying that he worked for Apex. Mm. He had an incredibly distinct voice and personality. They say that he had created over 200 episodes. And I'm thinking, how was he never uncovered? <laughs> like, I just, the, oh, it's just remember, these leaps of convenience in these films are just outrageous. Remember what I said about not applying too much logic to these films, I Tim? Know. It's just, it's mindless blockbuster entertainment. And that's why we love it. And do you know what I love a lot about bad guy characters? Mm. That they're never on the same page. There's like this moment in this film where they just have a completely different set of agendas. Yeah. Like, no, I'm actually going to do this. Like, did they do they not communicate or agree <laughs> on what the evil plan is prior? <laughs> because then they just fuck each other over and I just find it hilarious. Well, Demian Bashir, who plays the mysterious billionaire tech tycoon Walter Simmons, had some interesting things to say about the human characters in mm. this film. So let's have a listen. We need calm. 
The world needs him to stop what's coming. So do you think there are clear bad guys and good guys in this film, apart from the monsters, or is it maybe the monsters aren't the monsters? <laughs> the monsters are monsters, you know, and, uh, and sometimes the monsters are human. So uh, there are different types of monsters. You know, sometimes the monsters are only in your head. You know, sometimes it's an emotional thing, you know. Um, I believe in human beings. I don't believe in good and bad or villains and uh, and heroes. You know, I, I believe that we all have that duality, that we can be both. And uh, it's it's really your choice, you know, it's up to you to choose if you want to behave like a villain or like a hero. We all have that chance, you know, to choose. Do you think that's what fascinates people about these monsters after so long? I know, right? It's <laughs> fascinating how people get so excited about this after so long. I think that's without a doubt one, one of those things, you know, we love fantasy and we love fantasizing with this type of creatures to be real, you know, and the only way you can actually believe that they exist is through the magic of movie making, because it's only when you see this film, you know, a film like this, that you say, that is possible. Look at that. That looks real. It looks real to me. You know, it's like, oh, wow, maybe they do exist. And uh, to me, that's that's a beautiful and uh, fascinating thing about doing what we do, you know, to make you believe that many things are possible. So more on the human characters in this mm. film, we've got Kaylee Hottle playing Gia, who has this strong connection with Kong. She's uh, an orphan from Skull Island, I yes. believe. Yep. What a performance she puts in. This is her first film and she was nine years old when this was filmed. That was her first film. Mm-hmm. Wow, really beautiful, tender mm-hmm. performance. Absolutely, especially with those challenges of having to connect with nothing. Like Kong is yeah. a CGI character, so that's quite impressive. And I found the human connection between her character and Kong mm. better than any I've seen in these movies before, yeah. to be honest. I really felt it. And her expressions and her acting was just amazing for a newcomer straight out of the gate. She had a lot of weight on her shoulders as mm. a young actress because um, she projects the story quite a lot. They lean into her connection mm. with Kong and it, it it makes leaps and bounds in the story. She's very pivotal to the narrative. And uh, yeah, that's a lot of responsibility to take on in such a big budget film. And yeah, her relationship was really, really beautiful between her and Kong. And something that's important to note is that the character is deaf Mm. and Kaylee Hottle herself comes from a deaf family and is deaf herself. And it's a huge move for inclusion to cast a deaf actress to Mm. play a deaf character, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the representation of, uh, sign language and things like that is is really nicely portrayed mm. in here. And as I said, plays a key role in the movie. So it's great from an inclusion point of view, I agree. So we were lucky enough to also chat with young actress Kaylee Hottle, who makes her debut in Godzilla vs. Kong, as we mentioned. And she shared with us how excited she is to be in her first big Hollywood production. Mm. As mentioned, Kaylee is a deaf actress who comes from an all-deaf family. So the voice you will hear is that of Kaylee's translator. And this child, she's the only one he'll communicate with. Kaylee, how does it feel being in your first big 
movie production alongside movie stars like Rebecca there. I just, I feel amazing. I just never thought I would experience something like that until now. And could you tell me, Kaylee, a little bit about your character? Is it Gia? So my character's name is Gia, and that's her name sign is with the finger uh, rolling down the head. And she can communicate with Kong. She has a special bond with Kong, and she's a survivor, you know, from Skull Island, and that's where she lived. Kong bows to no one. Tim, some great chats with the cast and creatives there behind Godzilla versus Kong. Should we wrap up a review? I am ready to wrap up. And yes, sorry, great conversations with the cast and director. Really exciting to get that opportunity. So Godzilla vs. Kong is an incredibly clunky film full of leaps and bounds of convenience. How did it take four movies and still feel like it wasn't a connected story? That's my big takeaway here. Godzilla vs. Kong well, is um, utter crap, <laughs> despite the incredible special effects. So I'm going to rate it one and a half popcorn kernels. Oh, my God, Tim. You are harsh. I'm really harsh. Well, Godzilla vs. Kong is a visual spectacle that needs to be seen on the big screen, and I think it's really enjoyable popcorn entertainment if you don't apply too much logic to it. <laughs> there are some story and character flaws, but I'm I'm willing to forgive it, and I think the fans will be too, so I'm giving it three popcorn kernels. Oh, we couldn't be on further opposite ends of the spectrum there. Well, I, I actually hear you on all your points. It is great escapist cinema, and mm. to see it on the big screen, the special effects, I guess... I just couldn't get past the story and the dialogue and the characters, all the things that we've covered (laughs) off. And I am a little bit of a cynic when it comes to that. So, uh, but look, go out, enjoy this film. Uh, Hopefully you, uh, you have a bit of fun in that seat. Switch your Tim Brame off and just enjoy it. I wish I could switch my Tim Brame off sometimes. (laughs) Well, Godzilla vs. Kong is in cinemas right now. All right, Lee, so before we jump into movie and trailer news, we would like to congratulate the winners of our The Father giveaway. We've announced the five winners of a double pass to see the movie on social media, so please get in touch with your best address and we'll get the tickets to you ASAP. The Father is in cinemas from April 1st. Also, keep an ear out for our interview with the director of The Father, Florian Zeller, which is coming this week. Make sure you subscribe on your preferred platform to get exclusive interviews from the newest cinema releases straight to you. Another really great chat with the creative. I can't wait oh, I to l- share this with everyone. I'm a little bit in love. <laughs> Just a little bit, aren't mm-hmm. you? <laughs> And our two-year anniversary giveaway is not over yet. There's still time to enter for your chance to win one of five family passes to see animated adventure Tom and Jerry in cinemas also from April 1st. You can find the giveaway post on our social media accounts and just tag the Tom to your Jerry to win. Sounds good. And there are more ticket giveaways on the way. So keep tuning in. Now, there's big Ace Ventura news this week, Tim, that a third movie is confirmed to be in the works from the writers of Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm. Jim Carrey is not confirmed yet, but I think it's a pretty safe bet. But you can't make another Ace Ventura film without Jim Carrey. So, Mm. yeah, let's just sit tight. The headline will come out very soon. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about the return to this character, another franchise that's decades Mm. old? I'm actually quite excited about it because we Mm. saw a return to form of Jim Carrey in Sonic the Hedgehog recently. And I think he's feeling that vibe again. Mm. I think we're going to see some more of it. And 
let's be honest, it put him on the map, Ace Ventura, and I can yeah. always watch these movies. They're mindless entertainment, yeah. entertaining, and I, I just, I've watched them many times. They're just the perfect 90s comedy. Like, yeah. if you want to encapsulate what 90s comedy was like, like, this is it, the mm. Ace Ventura films. Yeah, I, I don't know, like... He has a bit of a resurgence right now and his character in Sonic the Hedgehog kind of lent into that. The Ace Ventura character is incredibly physical. So I wonder how that will be a little bit different now that he's, you know, in his 50s or something. So that's what I'm curious about. He's no less bendy though. Come on. (laughs) True. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) I don't know how I know that, by the way. I don't want to start any rumors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Now there's been some movement on the Disney schedule. Hasn't there? There has, yet again. The live-action Cruella and Marvel's Black Widow will both release day and date in theatres and on Disney Plus with premiere access on May 28th for Cruella and July 9th for Black Widow, respectively. And also Pixar Animation Luca will get a general release on Disney Plus on June 18. Now, I'm quite disappointed Mm. by this news because – I mean, it's great that Cruella and Black Widow will still be in cinemas. Mm -hmm. You know, when cinema is trying to bounce back, I feel like this is the wrong move. Yeah, it's a bit of kick in the teeth, isn't it? A little bit. But on the other hand, people do seem to be responding well on Disney Plus to films like Mulan Mm. and um, Raya and The Last Dragon. Yeah, Yeah, this is not an unexpected move. I am disappointed, as is you, but I mean, we'll Mm. still get the privilege of seeing this in cinemas and I cannot wait, both films. I feel like Natasha is just being cheated left, right and centre, you know? (laughs) She just wants a movie to come out. On the big screen. On the big screen. Anyway, July 9, not too far away to get back into the MCU. So, uh, hang on guys, not long to go. Now, Pierce Brosnan has officially been announced as Dr. Fate in the upcoming superhero film Black Adam. Mm. Dr. Fate is a founding member of the Justice Society who becomes a being of great power when he puts on his magical helmet of fate. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> just wait to see that come to life on screen. Mm. Now, there was talk of Brosnan joining the superhero ranks when Deadpool 3 was in the works, but this will be his first foray into the world of superheroes. Alongside Dwayne Johnson, no the less. The Rock Johnson. In more DC news, Ron Livingston is going to replace Billy Crudup as Henry Allen, which is Mm. Barry Allen's father in the Flash movie. We recently saw more of Crudup in the role in Zack Snyder's Justice League, Mm. which I really enjoyed. His role, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) But he's had to leave due to filming commitments on the morning show after COVID delays affected the production schedules. Now, he's an actor I really enjoy watching. He is phenomenal. Can I just say, he is outrageously good in the morning show. Yeah. Oh, my God. Or Morning Wars, as it's called in the Australian market, because we actually have a morning show called The Morning Show on Channel (laughs) 7, so you can have the same name. But anyway, a little bit of pointless trivia there. He is a brilliant character actor, and it's a real shame we couldn't see him bring the Barry Allen's father's character Mm. to life anymore. Just another thread that's not following through from Zack Snyder's vision to the actual DCEU. Very good point. Well... They remain consistently inconsistent. (laughs) (laughs) Big news today. We got the new Suicide Squad trailer. We did. It was three minutes long. It was huge. But, I mean, there's so many people in this. There are. Like, uh, one of the last frames is the do-do-do-do-do-do, like all the list of all the actors, and you kind of go cross-eyed and spin and fall over because there's, like, far out. It's like the Bible. It's so long. How did you feel about it? Okay, I'm really glad you asked. 
I was really underwhelmed by the trailer. I was too. But why? I couldn't figure out why. Because I literally only watched it like just before I came mm. here to record. So it's really fresh and I'm still trying to process it myself. I mean, I love James Gunn movies and I'm so excited that he's mm. taken over this this franchise. Mm. But something about it just wasn't quite hitting right for me. And I'm worried that we're going to end up with a slightly better but not much better mm. version of Suicide Squad. These were the things that jumped out at me that made me concerned. So I'm keen to understand if mm. you felt the same way. One, it felt like it was trying really hard to be funny and I wasn't yeah. laughing. What do you think? Yeah. The jokes were just, they were a little bit gross. Like the whole bag of dicks, like beach of dicks. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Why are they talking about all these eating dicks on the beach? Uh, anyway, it's yeah. a bit strange. Yeah. And visually, aesthetically, it felt too crisp. It didn't have a certain look to it that I was expecting. Well, that's what James Gunn is bringing to this movie. I mm. think that DCEU is always so dark and, mm. and dismal and, and we do need a bit of colour. We need a bit of fun injected back into this for sure. So yeah. I like that he's doing that. Mm. But it, I think it comes down to the fact there is so many damn characters in this. Mm. But maybe that's because they're just going to like rapid fire kill them off. Like there's just some that are just going to pum, 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 bye. <laughs> you know, you're probably not wrong. Um, I did like Idris Elba though in the yep. trailer. I think he uh, he's going to be quite fun in this. But so you don't think we'll miss Will Smith in the Deadshot character? Not really, to be honest. I just couldn't. The Suicide Squad, the 2016 one, was just fucking woeful. So, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of work to make it better, but. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. I'm just, yeah, I'm not there yet with this trailer. I'm just not feeling it. But we'll sit tight. It's out in August, I think, right? Yep, coming yeah. soon. So that's it for another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. We covered Godzilla versus Kong and I had a chat with some of the cast and creatives from the film. Very exciting episode to bring you guys. Lots more exciting episodes ahead with interviews. Uh, so keep listening, subscribe and share with your friends. And don't forget to enter the giveaway, the Popcorn Podcast two-year anniversary giveaway to get some free tickets. Every time, like we say that we've been doing this almost for two years, it just, yeah, blows me away and I just get this little, like, sense of someone's giving me a big hug and oh, it's, it's so nice. Oh, hold my hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. 
Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.